0: Welcome to this Conveyancing Matters News Roundup for February 2022. Welcome to Conveyancing Matters with Lorraine and Stu. Join us for a chat about all things property.
1: Well, hello guys and welcome to another Conveyancing Matters News Roundup. Hi Lorraine, how are you?
0: I'm good thanks Stu, how are you? I'm so yeah, February 2022 already, so um, as we said before Stu, we don't cover every single piece of conveyancing news in any given month because there's lots of outlets around that uh, that give that information to conveyancers, we just pick the things that are of particular interest to us or that catch our eye, or to be yeah. fair we think are of particular relevance to, to our conveyancing chums, so what's caught your eye this month Stu?
1: Um, I think there's a couple of bits, but um, maybe cyber risks and and the CLC's recent consultation regarding uh, whether insurance on this matter should be compulsory.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we talked about the ever-present cyber risks in our sort of recent risks chat, didn't we, Stu? Yeah. Uh, and I think this is an interesting departure for the CLC, isn't it? Their consultation closes very soon, I think. But, um, but yeah, whether CLC-regulated firms should actually, um, you know, be obliged to be, you know, have to have um, a cyber risk insurance. Um, I mean, as a CLC-regulated practice, Stu, how does... How does that make you feel in terms of the additional cost, potentially?
1: Well, you could look at it two ways, couldn't you, of course? But I think now the subject in general, and, you know, we discussed what's happened with the simplified group on, on previous shows, haven't we? I think now there's just no choice for firms to have the insurance and therefore, yeah, it becoming compulsory seems to be a natural, organic way to get there, doesn't it? So for me, it's not really a surprise and something I think that most firms now are going to have to look at closely.
0: Yeah, I think it would be interesting to see the result of their consultation. I mean, at the moment, uh, as I understand it, the SRA doesn't have the other, you know the other big regulator. There are others, of course. There are other regulators, but um, the SRA doesn't have plans to uh, to make cyber insurance compulsory for firms. But um, I have to say, I think if that's you know, if that's the direction of travel and the CRC go down that route, I wouldn't be surprised if that's where SRA regulated firms end up. I mean, I certainly see, not that I profess to know much about it. In fact, you know, we might be able to get an indemnity insurer on to talk, us, talk to us about it, Stu. But, um, uh, you know, this idea that firms need to look very carefully in at such products in terms of what they're getting and what they're not getting and what actually isn't covered. Um, You know, I think that's going to be really, really important for firms, but, um, but really, frankly, anything that can probably, I think, and I think the priority is um, in relation to any insurance is, um, is really the speed with which the firm clearly, as we saw, as you mentioned, can get back up and running if they're subject to an attack. Um, And I think that's clearly got to be a, you know, got to be a key thing that firms would look for, I would say. What would be your sort of, you know, what would be the top thing you would expect cyber insurance to offer you as a firm, Stu?
1: I think in general, when you look at insurance or cyber insurance, you know, we have professional indemnity insurance in the first place, don't we? Because a mistake we could make would be money-wise enormous. And therefore it's of that ilk, isn't it now? You know, um, when people are sort of, you know, trying to sort of, Mount these cyber attacks on law firms, the gain is so substantial that surely it's got to be backed up by insurance. I don't see any other way really.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: but as with any insurance, the devil's always in the detail, isn't it? Um, and it's what it's going to cover you, you know, for. So, you know, you get that sort of dodgy link emailed in, and uh, any member of staff could click on that link, and before you know it, you're infected um or whatever you want to call it and, and before you know it yeah you know you, you could be subject to sort of emails being fired out to clients left right, and center money being sent to christ knows where and before you know it you know people have uh suffered a loss haven't they so
0: the devil is yeah, exactly. always in the
1: detail but you know you, you have to go through that with a fine tooth cone but um i think now it's going to become a necessity i think it's going to be part of modern life isn't it
0: i would have thought so i mean again firms might be interested to know um that um, the SRA has reported unsurprisingly an increase in scam alerts, particularly, of course, during the lockdowns. And uh, the SRA does have, you know, you can subscribe and get sort of regular sort of scam and cyber updates and scam alerts from the SRA. And even as a CLC regulated firm, too, I'm not quite sure why, why, you know, other firms wouldn't wouldn't go for that. Why you wouldn't want to get those updates from I always, you know, I think it's useful for conveyancers to look at both regulators' websites, whichever, whichever regulator, you know, without, you without
1: a doubt. And the SRA one's particularly good, isn't it? Where it sort of notifies you of um, you know, potential scams involving yeah. the, the name of a potential for you know, made-up firm and, and whatnot. Um, so you can send that around to all your staff to brief them, can't you say so you're yeah. silly not to, to get that free information.
0: Yeah, absolutely. So, Stu, moving on then. Um, dare we say, dare we say the H word? Dare we say we've seen it in a couple of headlines this month. I think you know where yeah. I'm going with this one, don't you?
1: Yeah, hips, um, home information Da-da. packs. I know, I know. Upfront information, home information packs. Discussed it a million times before. Um, and of course, it's something that, you know, everyone seems to be lobbying for uh for a return in some kind of format maybe not the exact format we had before but it's becoming inevitable now isn't it the uh, the momentum seems to be gathering
0: yeah it does and i mean for um for the benefit of our younger viewers who um were perhaps only you know five when uh, when home information packs were originally um uh introduced sort of back in the late sort of 2007 2008 round about there Around about Um, that time wasn't it yeah so a home information pack really sort of did what it said on the tin for the benefit of those of you that don't know it was produced by a seller had lots of upfront information in it including title some searches um a home condition report um epc epc of course Yeah. yeah um and they sort of hit the buffers really because well there's lots of different reasons um there was a suggestion that buyers didn't want to rely on searches by produced by the sellers and the lenders. To be fair, you know, didn't uh, didn't get on board with the home condition reports and therefore, essentially, the seller was paying for a home condition report and the lenders were still requiring mortgage valuation reports and so on. So there wasn't a great deal of joined up thinking there. So they sort of hit the buffers and it's a shame in many ways because actually. Uh, you know think how advanced that could be had yeah. we had sort of 10 or 15 years of uh, of of proper upfront information when,
1: when you think back it, it was it wasn't just the introduction of hips though was it, it was the introduction of you know any before energy performance certificates there was a lot coming in at that time yeah. and I think perhaps it was just a bit too much probably too soon wasn't it you know 10 years further down the line um could have been here to stay couldn't it so I think it was just too much too soon at that point, wasn't it?
0: Yeah, just too much. We did a lot of conveyances at the time. Um, to be fair, you know, 07, 08 in the, you know, in the in the wake of a fairly, <laughs> a really very big financial crash as well. But um, there was a lot of, um, there was a lot of scepticism around the concept. Uh, and I think the bottom line is that the concept has been proved to be you know pretty pretty solid really that i um... think i think
1: there was a lot of doubt wasn't there as to where they were going to sort of emerge from whether it be from from an estate agent whether it be from yeah um you know the conveyances and i think um you know the estate agents were looking at potentially doing the energy performance certificates themselves as well i think there was just so much sort of raw around them that um yeah i don't think the industry was ready for it at that point
0: I don't i mean i'm unconvinced unless unless they're mandated in some way um and i think the government really did get its bottom slap with those i'm 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 sort of unconvinced that the government would necessarily want to go back back down the road of mandating them uh unless it became you know obvious that that was really what was going to massively improve the market and i've got to be honest and say whilst i think it's it's a no-brainer I'm still unconvinced that it would make such a massive difference to the market uh, across the board that, um, I, I just, I just can't see the government going there, but I'm perfectly prepared to be wrong. I might add, but, um, uh, but anyway, but yes. Yeah, so, so for those of you who don't know what hips were, um, uh, there's a, as I say, the headlines are suggesting that the the specter of hips returns this idea that, uh, upfront information, which of course is a, a perfectly sound idea. Um, but, um, I think, Stu, whether the government mandates it or not is another matter. Um, So what else has caught your eye this month, Stu?
1: So we've also got the the building um, safety bill that's currently uh, in the realms of being debated, uh, which I think is going to be really interesting and hopefully solve some of the problems that you may have.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, this is more of a sort of an awareness thing, raising thing, I think, for firms that are perhaps embroiled with um, uh, transactions at the moment that need the dreaded EWS1 certificates um, or just the general idea of of where liability lies for, you know, the cost of remediating um, uh, unsafe cladding and, well, whether it's cladding or, you know, the the, the stuff between walls. Um, Because, yeah, the government dropped a whole load of um, quite big extensive changes to the building safety bill in the middle of february Stu. they're sort of currently in the process of being debated and you'll remember we might even have mentioned it in last month's news update that um uh, michael gove sort of as the minister appropriate minister said leaseholders won't have to pay for remediation and actually the government has rode back from that at the moment um, and they have come up with what's been described as a waterfall effect whereby um, the developers and the cladding manufacturers are on the hook first then the freeholders are on the hook if they can't pay if the freeholder can demonstrate that they can't afford to pay then the leaseholders will be on the hook albeit for capped sums of 10k outside London and 15k inside London. Now, I think a really important point to make for conveyances about this is that um, we are still very much in a state of flux with this. These were really quite extensive uh, amendments that were made by the government very, very late in the day. So we don't know the shape that the Act is finally going to take when it gets here. I think for conveyances and our poor clients that are living in affected flats and buildings at the moment it just introduces another massive layer of of complexity and uncertainty at what's already a difficult time and I have to say from the conveyancer's perspective very much the conveyancer's perspective and I suspect you'd agree with this that um, it I think it just means that affected properties are just going to continue to be very difficult to sell because I think whilst there's this level of uncertainty,
1: yeah.
0: what you know, what would you as an experienced conveyance it's to, a, say to your a simple, buyer, for example? It's as
1: simple as that, isn't it? It's as simple you know. as that, you know, buying these properties, you've got to be very wary and it's like anything in conveyance and you know if there's any hint of any kind of issue whatsoever, it's full reports to the client, full reports to the lender, um, and so on fool so yeah So yeah,
0: it's
1: not something that's going away though, is it this one? It's going to ramble on and on and on.
0: And I think the difficulty we have at the moment is that we are right in the the eye of the storm right now. And there are conveyances out there who are advising their clients on this stuff, whether it's their landlord, portfolio landlord clients, who, by and large, not quite, but by and large, aren't going to be covered by these caps, these protection, you know, the 10K and the 15K caps. They're not going to be protected anyway. Uh, You know, so whether you're advising your portfolio landlord, whether, of course, it's your lender, whether it's your buyer, you know the most we can advise at the moment is massive state of flux don't really know how this is going to go haven't got a yeah. crystal ball um at your risk at your um, risk 100 yeah. yeah absolutely and i think that's got to be advice that's given with um you know in, in 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 neon lights really um but i do think conveyances need to go away and have a look carefully at that look carefully at the changes look at the proposals and sort of advise accordingly because i think that's a real um hot potato i have to say and on the um and on the matter of sort of um uh sort of statutory changes while we're on with it's due the leasehold reform ground rent act has finally got the royal assent but it's not in force for six months or so the uh the good old act that's going to reduce ground rents to uh, to zero but but Stu, it's not enforced yet it's not going to be enforced for six months time so again sort of you know, if you're in the middle of a purchase for a buyer client now where they're buying, where there is a proposed ground rent, I mean, to be blunt, what are you what are you suggesting to your clients at this time?
1: It's a difficult one, this, isn't it? Because realistically, you know, um, your, your best bet would be to try and negotiate with the, the builder now to reduce these rents to zero.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, however, practically, I'm not sure... You know, whether that goes through enough layers and that gets to the right people and and they'll be willing to do that, I think, with with the builders and the way they are at the moment, once something's sort of set, it's set, isn't it? Whether there'll be the understanding and the inclination to change it, I'm not sure.
0: Yeah, and I think, um, and again, you know, dare I say it, but we're always talking on date you know we're in we're in the moment right now but yeah. in 6 12 18 months 5 10 years we're not yeah. in the moment and we we won't even remember the year that we were talking about this so yeah. i think it's really important again that conveyances who are acting for clients on new build purchases now um are, are properly advising their clients and saying well look you know in um in six months' time or so, if the Act uh, is, is brought into force as we expect it to be, and that's as much as you yeah. can say, um, you know, the position on the ground is going to be quite different and you could be left with a, a lease that's got perhaps a fairly substantial ground rent, which technically is legal, but is going to be more difficult to sell.
1: Yeah, yeah. it just shows you that, doesn't it? You know, buying and selling leasehold properties is becoming more and more onerous for the lawyer.
0: Definitely. oh it completely is it completely is
1: yeah
0: actually i mean i mentioned um uh in one of our recent chats to you i think in the context of um you know what does uh, what does conveyancing cost some um some research um that suggested i think i mentioned didn't i that that you know conveyancing fees in 2021 had gone up fairly substantially and, and should do but what i found really really interesting in that bit of research that there, there were quoted figures too that actually showed that um and of course, it's only an average in those firms that were surveyed, but that a, a leasehold purchase uh, was was actually on average charged out at less—can you believe—than the leasehold sale? I mean, which I just found completely extraordinary. I, I don't
1: know where that's come from. I don't understand no. that at all.
0: No, I must admit, I didn't. Unless the, ra-
1: the rationale—the rationale can only be behind maybe you know obtaining the, the a management or landlord pack potentially, but I, I just can't. No. I, really don't understand that because the level of advice that you've now got to give on the leasehold matter is, you know, way, way, way more than yeah. a freehold. And, and of course, you can't really compare the purchase to the sale.
0: And well, and actually it's almost as if we planned this too, because, um, uh, and of course, you know, everyone that knows us well, will know that we really don't, but, uh, but of course, that does sort of segue into another piece of news this month that actually the SRA has identified again that um, SRA regulated firms at least are still um, perceived to be giving inadequate advice to leaseholders. Now, this is a thread that, you know, this is a, a, a you know, an issue that's been running for some time, a number of years now, this idea that um, uh, leaseholders aren't getting appropriate advice that they understand from their conveyance. So, and it's clearly not just going to be SRA regulated firms. Um, so, uh, as you've just said, it, the importance of making sure that our clients get this advice, but also that they sort of understand it and digestive can't digest it, can't be sort of overstated really. Uh, And I
1: think it's getting to the point though, isn't it? When you advise a client on a leasehold, it's, there's so much information there now, Um, Mm. you know, it's, it's sort of getting them to sort of take that on board, isn't it? That's the issue.
0: I think so. And I think that's a really important point, isn't it? Is that whole, is that challenge that we have every time about, um, um, has our client understood what we've told them how do we particularly if we're communicating mostly via you know online meetings and 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 sort of emailed reports how do you check back in Mm. and make sure your client has understood what you've told them Um, and I think that's a massive challenge for firms well, Probably a good place to um, uh, end this month's um, uh, news roundups Stu, is uh, something I think will be close to your heart. You've uh, noticed uh, noticed a little something that the land registry are doing that might help us over the line with our completions. So, what, uh, Michael, what are the, uh, our registrations? Um, rather,
1: so the land registry are going to bring in uh, trials for dealing with requisitions over the telephone.
0: Da, da, da. Yeah, they're <laughs> gonna do it with a sort of you know a number of firms and a number of transactions but you know you and nice I too, me in particular of course you know I'm old enough to remember that when we did lots with the land yeah. registry by phone and I mean okay I suspect they had more staff and fewer transactions la 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 different world different world but oh gosh wasn't it fantastic when you could just pick up the phone haven't well, a, a lot
1: easier wasn't it a yeah a lot lot with somebody
0: at the land registry and then yeah. um you know, problem solved. Move on.
1: Yeah, those were the days, weren't they? Yeah, well, I just they, can't yeah. see it being coming back in, of that ilk, though. No. I'd be surprised if it was that fr- free flowing. That, no, it won't you know, be. You could get through to somebody that you could, uh, you know, converse with. You know, everything to do with that matter. I'm not sure so sure it's going to. No. Uh, be the same again this time round. No, um,
0: it won't. I think this is a step, and I think you know, and of course, it's a good step. I mean, clearly, yeah, uh, clearly, young people going to say, oh, telephones, how strange. Does that mean we have to look up from the palms of our hands? How very difficult. I, I don't understand. I don't even know what to do with a telephone. <laughs> but of course, if the Lamb can, you know, get rid of a few simple requisitions by actually just picking up the blower yeah. and speaking to someone. I think one. what's interesting... These days in today's markets, do you flipping it on its head? Because you've just said, well, you know, can we get through to the land registry with your tongue in your cheek? I think what will be equally interesting is whether the land registry can get through to enough yeah. people in firms who have got the conduct of that file and can answer that question. I think that will be a determining factor. And I think today, in today's world, yeah that is just as relevant to the success of that initiative as us being able to talk to the land registry, quite frankly. I hadn't hadn't thought
1: of it like that. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. it's a great point, isn't it? It works both ways, so to speak.
0: Yeah, if the land registry is sitting there and they can't get through to people and they experience just a fraction of what conveyancing firms, that initiative will go into the bin. I can promise you they're not going to be spending that long doing it. Um, I can promise you. And the key will also be, can the person they speak to deal with the issue yeah. yeah because i would like to bet that lots of firms who have quite frankly brilliant post completion teams i've got a huge amount of love for post completion teams because i think that's one of the riskiest parts of the transaction but i would like to bet that uh, the majority of requisitions that come in um, the post a lot of people in post completion teams will actually need to refer to the lawyer yeah and i think if the land registry have to put out a call to a firm that then has to be uh, yeah passed on to somebody else I think that's when that's going to get a bit too
1: disjointed, won't
0: it? I think so too. And I think if there are then problems with those registers, you know, inaccuracies on the registers for which of course, the registry will be essentially picking up the tab if something goes wrong. I think that could be an issue. I mean, good on them for trying, but, um, but I think, um, as you say, you know, the days when we could speak to a district land registrar, talk about a difficult title and um, a, a long gone. But um, I will I'll watch this initiative closely and, and with interest. I mean, and I hope it works, because I anything that can help registrations get concluded is a good thing. But of course it is. Yeah. I'm 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 skeptical when the land reg are on the receiving end of <laughs> uh, of, of not being able to get through to anyone. Uh, but perhaps on that bombshell, Stu—that's uh, yeah. that's as good a place as any to conclude uh, this month's um, roundup chat. So I really hope that, uh, well, I hope that people looking, Stu, have uh, found it interesting enough to subscribe, and uh, and if you've got any experiences about any of the issues that we've talked about that uh, that you know, um, you think you'd like us to know about, please feel free to put it in the comments or contact us of course via social media because we're always really happy to uh happy to hear from the people that watch us so um feel free to subscribe or get in touch so um i imagine Stu, i will see you again soon
1: i'll see you again soon
0: take care all right lovely take care bye